You are listening to South Niagara Conversations, a podcast presented by the South Niagara Chambers of Commerce, along with 105.1 The River and 101.1 More FM. Here are your hosts, Dolores Fabiano and Scott Lunn. Well, good morning and thanks to everyone who's joined us for our South Niagara Conversation Series. For those of you who are tuning in from afar, we represent the communities of Fort Erie, Niagara Falls, Port Coburn, Waynefleet, Welland, and Pelham. We're located in Southern Ontario, a wonderful place to live, work, and play. Good morning, Scott. How are you? I'm doing great, Dolores. Thanks. How are you? I'm well. We're, we're here again. How, how is it that the week just like evaporates? I don't know. I was on vacation this week and it didn't seem any different than any other week. That's so. right. That's right. You were on vacation. Good for you. Although it wasn't really a vacation. Not really. No, no not really. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our tech sponsor, Brian LaChapelle from B4 Networks. Amazing technology experts that everybody needs. Brian, how are you this morning? Thank you, Dolores. Appreciate it. Great. So this morning, we're going to focus on how the pandemic has impacted young people as they prepare to join the workforce. We want to talk about what the past year has been like for post-secondary students, what's been their biggest challenge, how their learning has changed, and what their hopes for the future are. Scott, last week, when we talked about um, the impact to the tourism industry, I said I would be hard-pressed to name another industry as hard-hit. Well, I think education, and specifically students, uh, comes close. Uh, this is a perspective that we've not yet heard. So I'm eager to get the conversation going. Scott, who do we have joining us this morning? Well, Dolores, this morning we have Angela Walsh, who studied business at Niagara College, Samantha Jemison, who is a, took mechanical engineering at Niagara College, Valerie Pagnana, who is at Brock University studying medical sciences, and Darby Patterson, who is at Brock University and was in the Masters of Business Admin program. So a smart collection of young folks this morning, Dolores, I feel old. Welcome, everyone. Um, We're just going to get a start with a look back at at your year in a pandemic and education, moving to online and all the other things that go with what a a bizarre year we've we've had. So uh, Angela, we'll kick it off with you. What's, What's this last year been like and what's the transition been like? Yeah, um, so this time last year, or I guess when the pandemic started, I was actually living in Ireland. I was doing a semester abroad. So switching to online was a little different for me because Ireland like shut down before anything here did. So I flew home and then I continued doing it online. But because of the time change, I had to like deal with my lectures that way. So that was kind of tough. Um, and then obviously when I came home, I had no job. I know most people were out of their job anyway, but I had no job, but because I wasn't living in Ontario at the time, I wasn't able to collect CERB or anything. So it was, that was kind of difficult, you know, but the online transition that way was interesting. And then I actually came across a internship, uh, for the summer that I needed to complete my, uh, degree and I was able to do that remotely. So that worked out nicely. Wow. Yeah. The, the saddest part of that whole story was that you had to leave Ireland, to be honest. Yeah, I was supposed to, yeah, I was supposed to be there January until June, and I flew oh. home the first week of March. Oh, my. Yeah, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Let's, let's uh, go to Derby now. What's, what's it been like for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so my experience was kind of a little different. I was just wrapping up my studies at the start of the pandemic, um, and I had a pretty easy transition. Most of my classes were like five, six people, so we all kind of just 
you know, worked through things on our own, wrapped things up, you know, quite quickly. Um, so I think I got lucky that way. It wasn't too stressful having to do all my stuff online. Um, but I was so finishing up my master's of business administration and I was graduating on a co-op term. Um, so it was my first ever co-op term and it was my only co-op term and it was starting in the pandemic and it was quite tricky. I applied to lots of them and it was not hearing too, too much back. Um, and then in the end, I did get my co-op with Brock University's co-op department, which was quite interesting. So I got to kind of work with other co-op students and do that for five months, which was really, really exciting. They were all um, amazing there. They gave me lots of great advice for kind of, you know, moving forward. Graduating on a co-op term is quite kind of an interesting thing to go from, you know, working to working again, not, you know, finishing up the studies that way. Um, so then once I finished with them, I got my first kind of job, but it was just a short-term contract as well, six months. Um, that was amazing, learned learned lots. And then last week I kind of started uh, my first full-time job, which is super exciting. I'm at the University of Waterloo. I'm in their Center for Ocular Research and Education. So I'm still kind of within my field, but it's in a research department. Um, so I'm kind of helping them with their marketing and recruitment, um, but in a whole new realm. So it's been uh, an intense learning and pivot uh, for me these last couple of weeks, but it's been a lot of fun. Wow. So starting a new gig in, in, a, in a pandemic world. So congratulations on that. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam. What's Hello. it like? What's it like? Oh my gosh, it's a thousand things, isn't it? For everybody. Um, I'll say I was... I think lucky that the pandemic hit kind of in the middle of my education. I have a just under four year programs in mechanical engineering at Niagara College. And I had already had my first eight month co-op. So I got the full experience there. I had all the time to get to know my classmates and make those connections. And then of course the pandemic hit and it hit right at the end of one of my terms. And my teachers weren't prepared to adapt um, because they didn't know that they had to, but they all did like fabulously. And they actually, for the most part, just encouraged like, hey, reach out to your classmates, get help because we can't deliver this in the same way um, as we're used to. So they did an excellent job. My education, I think, was actually largely unaffected other than a few labs here and there. And then for my second co-op, which I was meant to go into just a few months afterward, um, after that term was finishing up, I actually had to opt out of my co-op just due to uh, family care. And um, that was a bit of a transition, but also I'll say some few kind of good things came out of it. I got to kind of explore some hobbies at home, um, kayaking, building a deck, things like that. So at a personal level, I got to develop myself a lot, but in that education uh, area, I did miss out on a full four months of co-op. So that was a bit of a transition. Right. Yeah, that's, that's tricky for sure. Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, and now, Valerie, you're, and you're going back. This, you have another year left, I believe, right? So what, what has it been like for you and, and, what do you, and how's this going to work moving forward? Yeah. So when the pandemic hit in March, I was just wrapping up my third year at Brock. Uh, so I had about four-ish weeks of online learning, which was very different. I'd taken a few online classes in the past, but nothing in science. So a lot of kind of just wrapping up the term and then uh, going into my fourth year being fully online. That was a really big transition, very different. Um, but yeah, I, I was very impressed with how my professors kind of found different ways to deliver the content and interact with us. Um, and I, I would say I had, um, I had a positive experience over the year. Um, and as of yesterday, I submitted my last assignment. So I just finished my fourth year. Oh, great. Very nice. Very well done. Well, that's great. Thanks, everyone. Uh, certainly uh, 
different experiences all the way through the past year. Absolutely. For sure. And, uh, uh, I guess the first question I'll start off with, uh, for me is, because one thing I was reading this morning is the one thing that people are sort of pointing out to for the constant online learning. I mean, we're, and you're of the age where you're spending most of your time probably in front of screens of some sort anyway, right? And I mean, not that, not that we don't, but you know, we like to blame young people for everything. So we'll just stay on that course. Uh, but what's it been like now? Like everything you do is, is tied to either your phone, your tablet, your laptop, whatever the case may be. Um, I don't know who wants to kick it off. Maybe we'll start again with Angela. What What is that like? I mean, does it affect your, from a health perspective, really, and posture and, and all of those things and staring at a blue screen all day? Uh, yeah, for sure. I would say it's tiring. <laughs> but so I, in September, I actually got a job with the college, with the Research and Innovation Center, and it was remote as well. And so I was doing school from home, and then I was doing work from home. And it was just everything, my whole day was sitting at a desk in front of a computer and you kind of, you lose like the social aspect of everything too. And you're just sitting there by yourself and your mental health, it definitely takes a toll on that and the posture thing for sure, but it's tiring and it, it was hard to kind of be able to make sure that I, I did take those breaks and I, I was giving myself time to just relax in between like working or relax in between classes. So it wasn't just like constant at a screen. And then, but for me, I, I didn't want my, me taking a break to be checking my phone either because that was just another screen, you know? So I, it was really important for me to still like get my like exercise in or like go for a walk to just give my mind a break, you know? I want to hear the response from the other ladies too, but, but Scott, I, I suffer from, I, I think it's called zoom brain. So, um, you know, I, I find like if I'm on a meeting, uh, late in the day, I, I have a tough time even just finding the words. Right. And, and I think, Oh my God, something, this is the early onset of something because <laughs> I don't even, the, I can't even get the words out, but in talking to other people of our age group, Scott, um, that's pretty common. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this, if that's happening with young people as well, <laughs> younger, fresher minds. A a Angela, do you, do you ever get that? Yeah, I would say so with my like, so a lot of my lectures, I don't have to like interact It's just kind of the prof post whatever the prof does lecture and that's that but with my research job, like we have weekly meetings, we do presentations for people and like, Friday afternoon, like end of the week, have to do a presentation. Like I'm just kind of, my brain shut off. <laughs> yeah. That, mm -hmm. that makes me feel better. <laughs> strange but true. <laughs> yeah. All right, Darby, we'll throw it over to you. Sure. Uh, as for kind of like the Zoom brain point there, uh, I think I'm on like the opposite spectrum. I'm one of those people who is like, I, I love, I love this. Not that I don't love, you know, in-person meetings and things like that, but the whole online aspect of things I love, I love doing all my meetings online and I haven't really run into that online blockade, you know, yet fingers crossed. I probably will this afternoon now. Um, but so that's been really, really fun for me. But the first like eight months of, you know, kind of the pandemic and working from home, I was working off of my like six year old laptop from university that, you know, I used to submit all my papers and assignments and it was like desperately old and so slow. So that was that was a thing. But with my new job, I've kind of recently just switched to like a proper, you know, desktop setup. And that's kind of really made the whole work from home, you know, take a pivot and like feel, you know, a lot more like set and real. And I don't have to like 
have this dinosaur of a laptop crash on me. So that's that's made the experience a lot better just in the last few weeks. But the technology aspect has been tr tricky for sure. All right. Valerie, have you uh, had any uh, any ramifications from too many Zoom meetings or uh, too much time staring at a computer? Oh, yes. I'm probably going to have Zoom brain today. <laughs> um, so I took quite a few experiential education courses. So I worked with a couple professors one on one. So all of our our work was meetings and oh, Zoom brain was it was bad. Even my friends, we would try to do a Zoom call a couple times a month just to kind of get that social interaction. And we like forgot how to socialize like it's we're just so far removed from it. And um, as Angela was saying, just so isolated. So mm -hmm. definitely a lot of times I'm just at a loss of words all the time. <laughs> Again, strange, but that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> and Sam, how about you? First of all, I want to say I really like this term Zoom brain. I'm going to quote it a lot, I think, in the coming weeks. Um, I feel like there's not much for me to say other than just echoing um, what everybody else has said so far. There's absolutely Zoom brain. Um, unfortunately, I don't get it at morning or night. I, I just have it all the time, I think. Um, but um, I'll say as far as staring at a screen all day, I, th I think I feel it in my eyes. It's another thing, um, like Angela was saying, trying to make sure you take a break, um, but then also trying to balance not taking that break at TV or on your phone or on that same computer on YouTube in a little spiral there. So I think it's... Um, Staring at a screen all day has kind of been a test of my ability to plan ahead for my own needs a lot, which has been unexpected. You think at home, you, you can plan your meals a lot easier because the fridge is right there, things like that. But just staring at the screen, I, I've kind of gotten lost in this rhythm of, okay, I get up, I roll out of bed. I think you can see it in the blurry background. That's my bed right there. Um, but just kind of rolling out of bed, getting on the computer, and then not leaving these four walls, staring at the screen. Um, it's something we've all experienced, but then just the, the consequence of that being I have to make sure I'm going and doing my daily life stuff that I would be doing if I was, say, getting ready for work in the morning, if I was packing a lunch for work, if I was going to school and going to classes. So that's kind of the biggest impact for me that I noticed staring at uh, this little box right here. Mm -hmm. Now, now, Angela, we know you were in Ireland um, before all of this, this um, happened. I'm wondering where everybody else was living and if any of you... Um, I mean, maybe you were already living at home, but if you've had to move back home with your parents, I know that my own situation, I have a daughter who's uh, just finishing up uh, her program at Brock. And so my husband's working full-time from home. I'm working full-time from home. My youngest daughter is, you know, completing her studies, was completing her studies um, from home. Three adults in a home, full-time, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot to get used to. So I'm wondering what your experience is have been like if, if you've um, if you've had to move back home. Angela? Uh, yeah, even though I was in Ireland, so when I came home, I've always rented like a student house in St. Catharines. So I live with four other girls. So when I moved home and then school started back again in September and all five of us were trying to do online school from home, online work from home. It was just, it was too much. And I ended up moving back home with my parents. Yeah. And they love having you back home, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Darby? Yeah. So I was um, living in Thorold at the start of the pandemic. 
Um, and then, you know, once I started switching, working from home, I kind of ran into that issue Sam was mentioning where I never left my room the whole day. Um, so then I did make the decision to move back in with my parents because I was able to get like my own office. They had extra space. It just made sense, you know, not waste money on rent, things like that. I never would have imagined I would have been, you know, back living with them for a year now. That's a bit of a surprise. Um, but it has been, you know, really great with the aspect of I have a space now that I can have my workspace. I can, you know, go upstairs and keep kind of still that little bit of a work-life balance. Um, but I'm definitely kind of excited for that return to office and because I will then, you know, move to Waterloo and get my own place again. Um, but until I have a good reason to move out, I, I don't want to justify that rent. And, you know, it seems silly. Mm-hmm. Smart. And I'm sure your parents are loving uh, the Netflix movie nights and uh, all of yes. the things that you're able to do together that, that you wouldn't normally. Valerie? Yeah, so I lived at home all through my undergrad. So the only major change was just being home all the time, I guess. Um, but similar to you, Dolores, um, having four people working at home at the same time, like our, our we had to update our Wi-Fi, everything. It was just... Uh, we're all around each other all the time, <laughs> but definitely uh, we've had a, a lot of time to bond, which has been really nice and just all get closer as a family. Yeah. And, and we're hearing that from a lot of people that, you know, you, you have to take the good things uh, out of this uh, as best you can. And definitely that quality family time has been one of those things that, um, you know, I think we'll all appreciate long after this is, uh, this is over. Sam? Uh, I think you said it very well, actually. Yes, everybody's at home. Um, I have a rather big house, um, so we couldn't ever have a guest over even when there was the one person coming over because there's six of us already. Um, But my brother, he also he has autism and he can't go to his normal day program. So it's I'll say, like you said, taking the good with the bad. Um, I love seeing him. I, I hardly ever interact with him when I'm at school full time and he's at his day program with each other in the evenings. But we have very different likes and dislikes. Um, and he, he loves his computer, so he'll stay at his computer as much as he can. We don't interact that much. So now I have this wonderful opportunity that every single day I'm actually his main caregiver because my parents are both central workers. So I get to make him his lunch and it's kind of a little time for us to interact. Um, and we don't say much, but we love each other's company. <laughs> um, but the other thing is um, during all of my exams and tests and things like that, Dylan would come knock on my door and say, Sammy lunchtime, Sammy, lunchtime, Sammy. So I was always being pulled away from my academics there and uh, even work on the few days that I would work from home. Um, so it's been a balance there with, with everybody here. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot to manage for sure. So we, we've heard, um, we have been hearing that there's been a, a high rate of, of burnout and just some mental health issues with, with students. Um, why do you think this is? And do you think that there's um, sufficient resources to to assist students with with everything that they're dealing with right now? And Angela, we'll start. Yeah, with- for sure. Um, I would say for me personally, like I'm big into I need a routine and like having my day set and leaving the house for different things, you know. So be- that being taken away from me and like not being able to see my friends or go out to work and like actually interact at school like that and not having any routine that was what took a toll on my mental health and I'm someone who already like kind of suffers with anxiety so then to just like be like absorbed and like having to be at home you know like that was kind of what it was for me but I would definitely say like there's a lot of resources and I would say especially because everyone was going 
through that, you know, and everyone was going through this hard time. And I, I think the professors really understood that as well. And they would accommodate you if you need needed like a me day or like, I know my boss was really good with it as well. And like, there are resources at the school with like guidance counselors or like they'll support you in ways that you need. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Darby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say that burnout was happening a lot more because kind of like Angela had mentioned before, taking the break from the computer on the phone. And that was just something I was so used to, like when I was studying, right, I'd be reading a textbook for an hour, and then I'd go to my phone, it's a bit of a different break. But now, you know, taking a break from the computer to be on my phone, that's not really a break at all. So that's been, you know, trying to find different ways to give myself uh, a bit of a break. But when I was doing my co-op with Brock University, everyone there was like so, so amazing at, you know, checking in, um, you know, making sure you're doing okay, kind of, you know, starting meetings like five minutes early to have, you know, chats about non-work related things and, you know, checking in on your personal life, things like that, which really kind of, you know, gives you, even if it's a couple minutes of social interaction, like it really makes a big difference in your day. It does. It does. Mm -hmm. Valerie? Yeah, just echoing what the others were saying, definitely that lack of social interaction with others really took a toll. Um, and then definitely experiencing burnout. I mean, I'm the type of person where I get on my computer and I start my work, I just want to get it done. I'll just go all the way through and hours go by, I'm just sitting here working. And uh, definitely my family was helpful and knocking on the door saying, hey, Val, let's go for a walk. Let's get out of the house. Let's move around a bit. Kind of just give yourself a break. Um, but yeah, those were really essential to kind of keeping me on my feet. Um, and then again, also echoing what they were saying, the university was really great and offering a lot of resources. They're, they had a lot of different social media campaigns that were really awesome and just ensuring that students really felt supported throughout the year. Yeah. And Sam? For me, I felt burnout. Um, I'll say largely due to the normal students experience though. Um, so I guess my biggest takeaway from this is it, that burnout never went away under normal circumstances for students, even with a shift to online, you might think things would be easier, um, especially with like my professors, they made a lot of things just open book, um, figuring the students who have academic integrity, they're going to just do as we say, but then students who, who might walk that line, um, they're gonna have an advantage that I'll say otherwise good students wouldn't have. So they just made everything open book. So on an academic standpoint, you think by every account, it would be much easier. Um, and especially because you are working at home in theory, it sounds amazing. You get to roll out of bed and just start work at your leisure and then classes are asynchronous. So you get to choose what times work for you. But when every time works for you and you're feeling burnt out already, no time works for you. And then you might get a little behind in one class and then that starts, starts the, the mental, oh no, what's going on? Um, I have to get ahead of this. And then it can kind of snowball through the term, even with just one slip up at the beginning there. Um, so I'll say it actually kind of lent itself to just standard academic burnout um, as normal um, beyond any other family things that people might be dealing with at home. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So we've talked about, you know, the impact of the pandemic on, on mental health a, a few times during the podcast and um you know, young people are no different. The experience is no different. Um, you know, you really have to find ways that work for you. And, uh, you know, Valerie, your, your family dragging you out for a walk. You, you know what? We, we got a, a, a puppy last May. We haven't heard her yet on the podcast today, but I'm sure we will. 
And, uh, you know, one of the best things that we did, because twice a day, uh, you know, we get out there, rain, shine, snow, doesn't matter. Um, and we walk, you know, for a half hour or whatever it is, and it clears your head and you come back and, uh, and you do feel be better. Um, and I think we've mentioned in the past, Scott, too, that just, you know, turning off the news, <laughs> you know, like just turning it off and giving your mind a break seems to help as well, or at least it, it, it does for me. So with the online um, learning that, that you guys have all, you know, um, experienced this past year, do you think that there's um, elements of that that should be continued long after the pandemic is done? Like Darby, you said you like the online. I know that, you know, some people love it, some people don't. Uh, some people learn better that way, uh, some don't. But do you think that there's elements of, of, of that type of learning that should continue? Angela, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, I would say like, it was definitely beneficial to some people, like if that's what works better for them or if they have to work full time in school and they can choose when they do their classes, it, it allowed for that flexibility. So in that aspect, I would say like that should be an option for people going forward. But I also think with some courses, like it, it needs to be in person, you know, like one of my best friends is in nursing and she had to learn like how to do like a, an injection in a hot dog <laughs> via yeah. online, you know? And then she had to go do her placement and was expected to actually know how to do that. But things like that, like you should be able to be in person. But I think like maybe just a lecture, the option should be there for you to do it online. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Just, made me, you just made me sweat when you <laughs> when you gave that example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, but, good, but good point. Very good. Yeah. Point. Uh, Darby. Uh, yeah, it's not as course related, but I think the best kind of online pivot has been like the events and stuff the school's been able to run. Um, Brock switched a lot of their like networking events to online. And I think that's really been amazing because, you know, sometimes it's hard to drag people out to St. Catharines, things like that to attend events. Uh, and now having these networking events online, you're able to meet all these great people from like Toronto or any other place. And you can hear about what it's like to work with them or, you know, just get career insights that you might not have got for the people they would find within the area. So I think that's been a really amazing opportunity that should hopefully continue. Yeah, that's a good point. Because even with, uh, with business, we're finding um, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, we're finding that, you know, if you have a Zoom meeting, it's quick, right? Like you hop on at the time that you're supposed to, and an hour meeting is really an hour, there's no travel time, uh, there's, you know, it's, it's just really quick. And um, I, I think that moving forward, you know, it's going to be a combination of both, just because the Zoom is so um, efficient. You get yeah. Zoom brain, but it is efficient. Valerie? So something I did like about the online learning was that um, a lot of my professors kind of broke down the syllabus into a bunch of different um, deliverables, I guess. Um, instead of having a test that's worth 40%, let's do uh, a presentation that's worth 15, a paper worth 10. So they gave you a lot of opportunities to get marks and to do well. Um, I don't necessarily love testing, so I really enjoyed being able to rather write a little report or deliver a presentation on Zoom and interact with my classmates in that area. So I definitely think um, offering those different opportunities where students can excel in different areas was just really something that should be carried over. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Sam? So I found um, 
I, I've spent a lot of time in student government. And so even some situations that don't necessarily affect me, I hear a lot of stories of students who have um, a harder time with accessibility to standard learning or to um, equal learning. And one thing that I found with the online world is at least my professors, they actually uploaded say two hour videos to YouTube and that was actually our lectures. And it was really, really amazing because you could speed up or slow down your professor. You can pause the lecture when you have to go do something. And I just found the accessibility was greatly improved. Now I was in mechanical engineering, so you can imagine I was very sad to not be on campus because there's some amazing labs that I, I, I missed out on. But the lectures themselves being online and being able to take them at your own pace, asynchronous or not, um, them being uploaded to YouTube or recorded when the class is going and then just, again, you can review it later. It really helps uh, because even if you don't get something the first time, again, you can just review it. It's just that accessibility. Um, if you couldn't make class one day because of an illness or just because of family matters, it, it just it helped open that up. So my huge, huge hope is that professors who did create content that they can still fall back on in, in years to come, that they'll maybe upload that and just say, hey, you know what, like we're going to have in-class sessions, but if you need a little bit of help, maybe some of the details of the dates and stuff are wrong because it was for last year, but check, check out this video that we made because it covers all the same content. And I think that, that would really, really help with accessibility for students. And it would take a lot of pressure off of teachers for having to contact students when somebody missed one thing from a lecture. Um, it'll help, I'll say, decrease that, that need for the contact um, where it's not necessarily necessary with that video. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense too. And Scott, that's information that we're going to have to... Uh, um, share with our university and college um, reps because that that does make a lot of sense. And you know, we we should be pulling all of the good things that we've learned out of this pandemic and making sure that we we you know carry those things forward. Um, great points, great points. Now I know none of you um, you know were, were first year students this past um, year, but I I can't help but but you know, really think about um, those students who were going off to university and college, um, you know, planning for that whole on-campus experience. And uh, it just was nothing like what it should have been. Um, I know that that wasn't your experience, but um, I imagine that you've probably talked to other students who maybe were in that position or have family members or friends. Can you speak a little bit about that? Anybody? We could, Angela? Uh, yeah, yeah. At one of my part-time jobs that I had, there was a few girls who were in grade 12 and they honestly like didn't even know if they wanted to apply because for them, and if I was in grade 12 too, it was a lot about the experience, you know, of like, uh, for me, like I'm from London, so I'm not from St. Catharines. So for me, it was about moving away and living in residence and making friends and partying. And those girls were like, I don't I don't think I'm going to be able to have that. And how will I make friends or how will I meet people in my classes if it's all online, you know, so they they didn't even bother applying. They said, I'm just going to wait until next year and see how it goes. Yeah, we've, we've yeah. Does anybody else want to speak to that? Yeah, Darby. Yeah, um, a big thing I've like kind of heard is the like the housing side of it. Like, you know, people missed out on living in the area in first year, but you know, say they want to move there for next year, the following year. 
they didn't really get that opportunity to meet people uh, in first year to end up living with. Like for me, when I moved into residence in first year, the people who were in my room and beside me, I ended up living with all four years. And without having, you know, met them in first year, I kind of, you know, would have been at a loss for moving forward. And I think, you know, unless people are making those connections um, in their classes, which some of them are, but it's a lot harder to, you know, build those actual friendships that people you would trust to want to live with the next few years when you are on campus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Valerie, did you want to address this at all? Yeah, I guess I was pretty shy and timid going into university. So I definitely, if I was in the situation online, I don't really know how I would have made friends. Like, I don't think I would feel comfortable necessarily just following someone on a social media platform and just kind of cold messaging them there and say, hey, I'm in your class. Like, I don't think I would do that. I, I just, I can't imagine what the students were going through this year. If they were a little more shy or timid and reserved and just kind of not making those connections with others, that would have been really hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Sam? Yeah, so I know at Niagara College, we had about 11,000 uh, students the year prior. And then this year, we only had about nine. So you can see just by the sheer numbers that enrollment dropped drastically. And it is, of course, a lot of first year students deciding, you know what, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait another year. And as well, I think I would have been one of those students, or even if I had already applied and was already there, I may have actually dropped out, which is very against my character. But I can't imagine going through a difficult program without a classmate to rely on to say, Hey, like, do you want to study this with me? Do you want to hop on a zoom or Facebook uh, video call and like help me through this math equation? Because it's like 11 years long on this paper and I don't know what I'm doing. And I think that a lot of people are probably actually going to, or have dropped out of their programs with of course the intention to hopefully come back again in the future, but enrollment is just dropping and it's, it's clear why. Yes. Yeah, so has anybody else uh, had friends or people they know that have dropped out? Of... No. So, uh, you know, you t the, the whole part of that is about growth, right? From a social structure and especially in your first year, you know, when you're, you're getting all that, that sort of stuff around you, right? Friends, residents, going to the library, going to the sports field, uh, you know, groups, cliques, whatever. Um, and now you're moving into, and some of you have already sort of transitioned uh, to the professional world and, and being interviewed for jobs and, uh, and that sort of thing. And I know from doing interviews on the other side now, does it concern you from a growth standpoint that you're going to possibly get, uh, go through a series of job interviews, get hired, and Darby, maybe this has already happened for you, um, you could theoretically start a job and not meet your colleagues spend some time before you ever meet the, whoever hired you, uh, the HR team or what have you, like, how does that work for someone who's entering a professional stream for the first time? And you, you're missing out on that sort of scenario. Maybe Darby, you can start with that. I don't know if you've had that experience or not, but uh, it's got to be different. Yeah, definitely have. And it's very, very weird. Um, my last job, which was just kind of a five month contract, I was working with the county of Brant and I started it, you know, remotely and I ended it remotely. Um, so I never met anyone face to face, but I was, we had lots of meetings. I was on, you know, video chats with them all day. I was messaging them in chats. So I became, you know, I knew them very well and I really, I really liked them. They were great mentors. Um, so on my last day of work, you know, I was, I was really sad, but I was, you know, it was quite weird. Cause I'm like, okay, like saying goodbyes and stuff. 
but I've never actually met you before, but I really, I'm really going to miss like seeing you every day, but we've never, you know, talked in person. I don't, you know, really know too much, you know, about their personal lives outside of work because we never got to, you know, connect on that outside of work level. So it's very weird. And now with my new job, um, again, like having to meet all of my coworkers in an online setting, I think it's a bit more intimidating, you know, jumping on a, a Zoom call with 20 other people. And I'm just like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm the newbie in this little square in the bottom corner. And, you know, constantly having to say my, you know, 30 second introductory, um, you know, thing every time I'm on a new call to meet all of my new coworkers. And it's a bit overwhelming because, you know, everyone might remember me as a new person who started, but now I have to remember these people on my little call all the time. Um, so it's, it takes a bit of an adjustment, but uh, it worked so far. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. But I mean, you don't, you'll never get those little tidbits of information or, or learning that you get in the coffee room. Right. And it's also quite weird because like when I'm meeting my coworkers, they're always like, oh, you know, you would have loved it when we're in the office, like we do this, this and this. So I can kind of hope for that in the future. Um, and, you know, it gives me a, a good vibe, at least that they had this kind of workplace where they were so close. But I keep hearing about all these, oh, when we were in the office, and I'm like, oh, I'm just in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll get there for sure. Has anybody yeah. <laughs> else had similar? Thanks, Darby. Has anybody else had similar experience to that? Um, I guess with working like with the research and innovation center at Niagara, the exact same thing. Like I've been there since September, my contract ends in August with them. So I've just been part-time, but I've never met any of them in person. And other than like the 10 minutes at the end of our meetings where we just kind of like chit chat a little bit, I don't know anything about them personally or I've, yeah, I've never met them, but Last week, I just started a new job at a credit union in like my hometown, but I'm in the branch. So I, I got to meet everyone and I'm in person. So I, I have a little bit of both. <laughs> oh, great. Well, that's yeah, that's a good news story then. Yeah. Um, very nice. So um, anybody else on that one? Uh, well, I'll just add that, um, you know, from a, an employer perspective, we typically, you know, do do bring co-op students and interns and, and summer students. And we love it because they bring a different um, energy and um, different perspective. And we, we really love it when we have um, young people come into our workplace. And um, the past year, of course, you, you know, it's been limited. Um, it's all been uh, online. Our summer students last year, uh, for the most part, were working for us all online. And, and we miss out on that, too. So you're missing out on the experience, but but as employers, um, you know we're missing out on that energy and uh, and that perspective as well. So I, I can't wait to to bring young people back in a in a bigger way for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it, it makes all the difference in the workplace for sure. And uh, so I, I think we're, we've touched on a lot of great points here, and maybe one last sort of around the horn. We can start with Valerie. Um, What's your what's your hopes and wishes as we know that the vaccine scenario is going to open up within the next month or so, hopefully, uh, and where would you like to see things go for you in the next year? What are your plans? So as of this coming September, I'll be starting my master's at Brock in applied health sciences. So really looking forward to another two years at Brock. I love it there. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to be on campus, maybe winter of next year. Maybe that's a stretch. I don't really know. But um Hopefully, I'll be able to see the campus soon. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. How about you, Sam? 
I am in the same boat as Valerie, except instead of as a student, I am going to be the president of NSAC. So that's our student union. And so when my job is specifically to connect to students, advocate on their behalf, know what's going on in their lives when I'm no longer one myself, um, I think that my biggest challenge going into this job is going to be making those connections. And I am so looking forward to being able to just wander the halls of the school again once that's allowed to just chat up a student that's sitting on the bench and say, hey, like, is everything good? Like, how is everything going? Like, tell me the good, tell me the bad. I want to be here for you. I want to make those connections. And it's, again, it's going to be difficult doing it through Zoom because I don't have a meeting with all nine to 11,000 students of Niagara College all the time. They have to reach out to me, but also how do I say I'm somebody you can reach out to? So I'm very much so looking forward to that on-campus experience. Right. Well, yeah, that'll be a challenge for sure. Good for you. And Angela? Um, so I hope to stay with Credit Union for a year or two. And then I do want to do my master's. I just wanted to take some time to work and get that experience. And I want to do my master's in public policy. And I'm hoping, like everyone else, that it will be in person. <laughs> wow, okay. Sounds mm -hmm. great. And Darby? Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to kind of just experience like a normal workforce. I haven't really got that opportunity, you know, since I've graduated. I'm really excited for like the small things of just like seeing people in the hallways, meeting my coworkers, like going to normal meetings, things like that. Um, but also as like a, a young professional, I've got quite more into networking this past year, but in, you know, the online realm of things. So I am really excited to kind of attend, you know, proper networking events in person, you know, getting connected with different professionals in my field and like learning from them. Uh, I think that is kind of something I probably took for advantage uh, before this kind of thinking, you know, I'll do it later. Uh, and now I'm like, oh, maybe that'll never happen. So um, I'm hoping to kind of, you know, meet more people within my field and learn from them. Fantastic. And you're all going to have this great advantage of being able to already know the virtual end of things. <laughs> That's you, right. you, you probably don't unmute yourself or mute yourself incorrectly as much as we do uh, <laughs> at this point in your life. So that's a real plus. Uh, and Dolores, I don't know, it looks to me like the world is, uh, is going to be in good hands uh, as we see these uh, young, young folks moving on up. So uh, it was a great conversation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if this is what's coming down the pike, holy moly, we've got a bright future ahead for sure. Thank you so much, ladies. It was a, it was a pleasure to have you. Uh, I'm feeling so happy this morning. You just you see that energy, right? Right, Scott? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, young. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> well, next week, um, we're going to be welcoming some of our local Chamber of Commerce friends to the conversation. Joining us will be John D'Amico, Chair of the Niagara Centre Board of Trade and Commerce, Eduardo Laforgue, uh, CEO of the Niagara and the Lake Chamber, and Rebecca Shelley, Executive Director of the Grimsby Chamber. Scott, these are the folks uh, that have been on the front line for business. Uh, they've been actively responding to local business needs, providing information, resources, programming, and a compassionate ear for the past year. Uh, I think they're going to bring a level of insight that we've not yet heard on the podcast. These are my peeps, and I can't wait to chat with them. Um, so looking forward to that. To all of the listeners, to all of our listeners, uh, send us the topics that you're talking about, because we want to talk about it too. Thanks for tuning in, and have yourselves a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you.